Welcome to Sustainable Minds, exploring the interplay of corporate brand, core beliefs, and ESG. Brought to you by Baker. In every episode, we'll investigate how purpose, vision, and values can guide your company's sustainability actions, behaviors, and mindsets. And we'll discuss their impact with the help of ESG-focused guests from around the globe. I'm your host, Rocket. And I'm your host, Gary. Let's get started. Today, we're speaking with Balaji Ganapathy of Tata Consulting Services. Balaji has over two decades of business leadership. He's the Global Head Chief Social Responsibility Officer and Head Workforce at TCS. Balaji's efforts have resulted in TCS being recognized as America's most community-minded technology company by Civic 50. He started his career as an entrepreneur, pitching ideas to companies and groups across India. Let's jump back in, talking about purpose, and I talk about core purpose and values, and there's too many manufactured uh, purpose out there, and there are too many generic values that aren't real, and it's just uh, wallpaper at some companies. We work with companies to integrate and operationalize, but more importantly, create these values that are within this company at the core, but it's also how you express them. That's really important. And then it's very important throughout the whole Tata organization. So I see that Tata has a a new brand statement, building on belief. Why was there a feeling of this need for a new brand statement? I mean, taking a step back, Tata is uh, the holding company of uh, over 100 companies across uh, various sectors, Tata Sons, I mean, and TCS, the company that I work for, Tata Consultancy Services, is the technology major within the conglomerate, right? When it was set up in the 1800s, the Tata Group was set up as a majority ownership with two philanthropic trusts. Even today, that is the model that uh, continues to work where majority of the shareholdership of the entire $100 billion conglomerate is with two philanthropic trusts. So the very nature of business, as our founder Jamshaji Tata said, the very purpose of business is for the community. And that is the sole purpose of our existence. So that is the value with which all the group companies have been founded. And TCS is no exception to that. I think in terms of messaging to the stakeholders and the audiences that we serve, it is important to go back and ask ourselves the questions, whether our stakeholders are able to relate to us in the new context of what is happening in the digital economy, right? And it was evident to us that uh, the value that we are able to bring as an organization to help customers on their growth and transformation journey to help employees on their journey to help realizing their own potential and in building sustainable communities needed for us to do a better articulation of who we are in today's context. So that began the whole journey of looking at our purpose and our brand statement. And it was more to make sure that talk aligned with the walk. And through the process of discovery, it became clear that We have always been an organization that has been building on the belief that innovation and collective knowledge can help build better futures. 
that is what we ended up with as our purpose statement. And, you know, it's great to be at a time when people in the company are able to relate to that and say, yes, that makes sense. Here is my personal story of how I'm building on belief for my customer or how I'm building on my belief for my team as a leader or how I'm building on belief in uh, creating better communities and being a great civic leader where I am present. It's a great uh, time to be in this journey. Yeah. Yeah. And with all the heartfelt sincerity of humanness that comes forth with all this versus corporate kind of jargon and these convoluted statements, when I hear and read about your purpose, I really feel, get a sense of feel the truth you guys are speaking of. Let me sort of connect that with uh, that theme that you used in the current integrated annual report. And also, how do your core values and purpose drive your sustainability strategies, policies, and practices at Tata? I think it's a very interesting question because it's easy to go into the jargon and let the jargon drive your agenda rather than asking yourself the basic questions of why you exist as a company, how do you want to convert strategy into execution through culture, and then how do you want to incentivize behavior through values, right? So that is the side that we have gravitated towards. To me, let me just foundationally explain the differences in my thinking in terms of what is purpose, what is sustainability, and what is ESG. To me, purpose is the very reason for existence of an organization. And more often than not, in fact, I would argue that in today's world, if it is not to serve a broader societal purpose, uh, your half-life as a company is going to be very short. And there are good examples. There is proven uh, examples of this that in the 1950s, the average lifespan of a Fortune 500 company was around 57 years. And today, it's about 23 years. So unless your purpose is really something that is long-term and related to creating better social good, it is, you know, your existence is not going to be long. The second aspect is uh, sustainability. Sustainability may be today a key word, but to me, it is an essential part of a business model of an organization. So that's the distinction that I draw, right? And if it is a part of a business model, it's not just one department or one entity or one team that uh, has the onus of driving sustainability. It's like um, sales, it's like marketing, it's like uh, team building, it is like uh, every other thing that you would do in an organization where you may have some people who are subject matter experts in a particular area, but way in which you run it is ingrain it into every part of your organization, right? I have similar views on diversity as well, right? So it's, it's good to have teams that are responsible, that have subject matter expertise that can bring both the inside out and the outside in view. But it is something that you have to drive as part of your business model across the organization. The third aspect is ESG, where many people are conflating it with purpose and sustainability. But the way in which ESG and that space is evolving is more inside out rather than outside. in. It is your way of telling the rest of the world, how do you stand on certain parameters around environment, around social and governance? And more often than not today, being driven by investor uh, demands and board and uh, executive demands on more transparency around mm-hmm. how you're doing what you're doing, right? Right. Whereas purpose is outside in view. 
of what society needs and what you are doing to meet that unmet need in society. So that's how I would distinguish these. And this is how we are driving our culture within the organization, using the purpose as a sense of identity, using sustainability as a set of principles that can help you bring that purpose to life, and then using ESG and metrics as a yardstick to say how you're doing in the short term and in the long term. Yeah, I mean, such a wonderful view of it all and really encouraging people to integrate the business model with the social goods that you're doing and then communicating it out. It's incredible. Many of our clients are first-time ESG reporters. What you just talked about is very important, but let me frame a question like this. What would you advise a first-time reporter, how do they need to think about ESG? I think ESG in today's current uh, environment can be looked at as a way to hold the feet to the fire for the kind of pledges and statements that companies are making on how they are living up to the greater good for society, for people, and for all of their stakeholders, right? I'm not saying that should be the only view, but it is a space that is growing to sort of accomplish that, right? The frameworks that are coming in, the compliance requirements that are coming in, the reporting that is happening is all intended to, of course, create that transparency, but also make it more accountable, right? It is important to do. It is necessary, but not sufficient. If you get too myopic, on the fact that a company is saying that I'm going to increase diversity in my board by X, or I'm going to reduce my carbon footprint by Y, or I'm going to increase my investments in uh, inclusive banking by Z. Those are good pledges and statements to look at. And in the short term, definitely you have to hold their feet to the fire on that. But in the broader sense, I think the reporting and narrative in this space can start to question the very um, aspect of why these companies exist. How are you serving the larger good, right? Not just what you're publishing this quarter, not just one or two initiatives that you did in this year, but over a period of time, how are you shaping the world around you? And so it can become more of a constructive, proactive view than a reductive view or a, a view where you're harming environment in some way, so you have to offset that by doing something. You're creating a negative effect on society, so therefore, tell me how you are managing to compensate for that, or you know, are you being governed in the right way? So I want to make sure that you know, you're a sustainable investment model for the future, right? So that shift I would like to see in the future, but this is a good place to start now. Yeah, I uh, too many times people come at it about mitigating risk. And I would like to change that mindset to more about creating value and creating value for all people and the planet. And not think about their shareholders, not stakeholders, the shareholders and how the investors are going to react to them. Of course, that's important to do. But, you know, and how we can mitigate 
and how they can mitigate about being dinged for not. But, you know, I'm looking to help them change that mindset to creating value. It's a journey. I completely agree with you. It's a journey. And there is nothing wrong in starting from the compliance and risk perspective, because that is a way in which organizations know how to tell their story. Every quarter, if you're a publicly listed company, you publish your uh, metrics and having that as an avenue for you to expand beyond the financial and operational metrics to look at these areas is a good path to take. Yeah. Because that means that there is buy-in from the board, from the executives, and uh, what gets measured will get done. But like you said, it should not stop at just reporting for compliance and risk purpose. But the starting point being that you know you do it for the right reasons, and the outcome of that gets uh, measured and reported in the manner that is most appropriate for companies. In this space, also there is a lot of challenges, Gary and rocket if you think about it from there is no common standard or framework that is accepted around the world right that is still evolving on one hand you have rating agencies measuring companies where some agencies measure a company very high in esg metrics and another agency in the same space has a diametrically opposite view right so the space will mature organizations or government agencies like ACC coming out with rules is also helpful to sort of bring some commonsensical metrics that are accepted across industries as the starting point. But then you have to evolve to what is what makes sense for some industries. What makes sense, for example, in my sector, the technology sector, may be very different from energy yeah. or from a resource-intensive, raw material resource-intensive in, industry. So that space will evolve. But I think, like I said, you have to go through that maturity curve. And that's why I say it's a very interesting time to be because you can help shape that. These are not going to happen by itself. And reporters and uh, leaders like you can help influence the thinking so that we move away from analysts who are just looking at the broad internet and just looking at basic things that they are able to see and instead go deeper in spending time and understanding this from the perspective of the company, the stakeholders, and providing better transparency into how they are determining the ratings, how they are including companies in certain indices. So that space is definitely starting to mature, and we'd love to keep contributing to that. This is such a early burgeoning industry, if you will. Of course, Corporate social responsibility and just good corporate citizenship has been around a while. But with all the uh, rating agencies out there and all the frameworks and different companies now coming together, emerging their frameworks, it's really an evolving and emerging business that it's in. I'm kind of curious. You guys have been great leaders in this area. How do you see your ESG and your integrated annual report? Where do you see this type of reporting in five years, Matata? I think uh, ideally like to go to a place, you know, it's my view. It's my belief that the future of the enterprise is carbon negative and social positive. You know, you are going to start looking at organizations, not just making pledges to be carbon neutral, yeah. which is what the case is today. 
because that's a common need felt across the world. COP26 and other efforts of SDGs are helping contribute to that. But I believe that we are also in a space where a lot of organizations have the know-how and the ability to go beyond carbon neutrality and actually have a positive impact on the environment, especially social entrepreneurs and small and medium businesses who are very local have the ability to do this. And I believe that within the next five, 10 years, you will start to see a lot of the innovation emerge and uh, partnerships that are unconventional get formed between larger organizations and smaller organizations to drive uh, this agenda. In a similar manner, the S of ESG is going to get more prominence. In the last couple of years, that S could represent anything from social justice to people and culture and talent. But truly, I think it is going to evolve more to how you are shaping and building communities and contributing to nation building in the countries and communities that you operate in. This is something that the Tata Group and TCS is very comfortable and familiar with, because as uh, our past chairman said, we are in the business of not building companies, but building institutions, institutions that serve society and countries Mm. beyond uh, the lifespan of any one individual. Right. So social positive is that call to action that can help rally companies in that space. And I believe that if not within the next five years, definitely within the next 10 years, there will be greater emphasis on serving the needs of society, not just from a CSR perspective, as it is traditionally seen, right, charitable or philanthropic purposes, but to actually shape organizations thinking to empower and uplift communities so that they become consumers, they contribute to the GDP, they then create economies that uh, can continue to grow and people can have better quality of life. So that is the trend that I see emerging. And I think technology and digital is going to play a huge role in enabling that, not as an end, but as a vehicle, as a tool. And people who are really driving efforts in organizations are going to make this happen. I'm a firm believer in that. So interesting because it's almost like the connection, the ultimate connection is to uplift all of the disadvantaged or excluded or to become consumers, as you say, so that it feeds back into this circle that is productive and that is a good force. I've never really thought about that in that way. So that's profound. And also, one thing that I find is like 10 verticals or more at this point for Tata. And and what seems to connect is the values. I mean, the businesses are so diverse. Is there something that you go after when you hire people that these are fundamental building blocks of their person, the values in some ways, so that, you know, as well as an expert or with the skills and the capabilities of what you need? It's a complex question to answer, but the simple way to look at it is that skills can be taught. Attitudes are inculcated, you know, based on the environment that you grow in. Right, So you can hire for attitude and you can train for skills. So that is why if you see a lot of our leadership has in the past 
50 years or so plus of TCS's existence, our leadership has grown from within. The opportunity that you get to move from role to role, help build uh, greater organizations within the larger company, take on variety of roles across industries, across domains, across technologies. You will learn skills, you will get exposure along the way. But what do you come with in terms of attitude, in terms of fundamental beliefs, in terms of values? I think that is what helps create the core of an organization. And we've been blessed with the legacy of the Tata Group where people are attracted to TCS and the Tata Group of companies because of what we stand for, right? Stand for. So I always say that, you know, we have to make sure that we create today's legacy so that people who want to join us in the future, look back not only at 150 years of what we accomplished, but what you're accomplishing today, today and the legacies that we're building today. And so we are blessed with great leadership, with a singularity of purpose that is, that's not changed in 150 years. Right? The fundamentals remain the same. It is about nation building. Initially, nation when building. it started in India, before India's independence as a country, it was about helping India fulfill its potential in by industrialization, right? Steel and motors and then um, other spaces that started to emerge. In today's world, uh, you know, as a global organization, that same ethos holds good in every country that we operate. How can we enable the country to progress, its citizens to progress? So like I said, you know, it's, it's about creating and uplifting consumers and people to the next level so that the next generation that is coming ahead of us is better off than this generation. Yeah. Right. That's not happening in many respects. It's so scary for the young people. And I think why there's such a great need for this to be taken seriously and why even the business roundtable came out and changed their opinion of the purpose of a corporation for the stakeholders opposed to the shareholders. It's huge. It's really, really huge. And uh, I found it uh, so um, refreshing to see how it was so ingrained in your rich history. The other thing that I thought was, you know, that struck me as different was on your website, how you have the one big and that things that you fund in your CSR efforts you give an opportunity for anyone to be a part of it and pledge money. And I thought, wow, it's a different attitude. And how did that become about? Again, our approach to CSR is very similar to our approach to business, which is how can we create sustainable futures, better futures for society? And I think bringing the best of what we have to offer, what I call the four capitals, intellectual capital, technology capital, human capital, and financial capital. That is the fundamental basis or the way engagement model for anything that we do in the CS. Capital is not just TCS's intellectual capital, right? It is the capital that is formed by bringing all stakeholders to the table. So if you are working to solve problems in uh, the inner city neighborhoods in America, you need to get students, you need to get educators, you need to get administrators, you need to get policymakers involved in sharing their voices and their thoughts 
and creating a solution that works for all. And that's the approach that we have taken with uh, our flagship program, GoIT, which uh, started in 2009 to bridge the digital skills gap, uh, 21st century skills gap in American education system. Today, it is serving students in over 200 cities across the country and six, you know, almost 40 countries around the world because it is born and designed keeping or including the stakeholders who are part of the you know, ecosystem. Technology then can become an enabler. So technology capital then brings it to life. You can create websites, you can create content, you can uh, you know, scale efforts, especially during COVID, we were able to provide so many schools and educators with the kind of resources to support them during that time. Human capital then brings it to life. We are a TCSS 600,000 people around the world. How can I help them fulfill their purpose by being that bridge to a young person, a young girl or somebody from uh, a marginalized background? As they say, you, if you cannot see it, you cannot be it, right? And I have 600,000 people who can help you see it and be it. So they then bring programs to life, right? And then financial capital, you know, I continue to think of myself as an entrepreneur within the larger organization. So financial capital is to seed fund and help new initiatives grow. If money was the answer to every problem that face society, then a lot of the problems do, won't exist anymore, right? Money is certainly part of the solution. Yes. What is needed is that human ingenuity. What is needed is use of technology. What is needed is connecting people to their purpose and bringing it to life. So that's the approach that we have taken. And we are very clearly focused on a few areas where we believe. I was talking to you earlier about how to move people from one level of social strata to another, right? right. So the focus areas on education, entrepreneurship, employment, are all focused on creating opportunities that are tangible. These young kids who are gaining digital skills are moving from consumers of technology to creators of technology. Right. That's a huge shift, wow. right? You're not just consuming apps, watching videos, but you know how, if you see a social problem in society, how can you design a solution to that? How can you prototype a solution? How can you build it using technologies like AI or IoT or app design? And then how do you pitch it to others so that you can get the support to start your own idea or enterprise? That is the journey that these, in this example, these young people are taking. And that is going to put them on a path. Not everybody is going to become a coder or a programmer or a computer scientist. They don't need to. But they can be in charge of their destiny. Where, you know, the job that they choose the path that they take is going to put them on a path that is better than this generation and uh, the marginalization that they are facing. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Because it's, it's absolutely true. And the way that you structure, you know, inviting anybody to apply for funding, you know, with certain criteria that you have in place, it's like all of a sudden you're bringing to life so many people's passion. It's a different way. It's a different way of looking at it rather than, you know, just, some, you know, doing grants to one organization doing one thing. You're just opening the floodgates for the people with passion to really make a difference. It's yeah, it's a different school of thought. And I have tremendous respect for organizations that have a grant-based approach. They have a purpose to 
play in society but i look at it from the perspective of the strengths that we as a company bring to the table right why our dream of uh, carbon negative and social positive cannot be fulfilled unless the company's full energies and uh, strengths are applied to problem sets like this what mm-hmm. if you know tomorrow every young person around the world had the opportunity to be part of the digital economy what if every educator around the world knew that they are developing better citizens developing and inculcating 21st century skills that are required in today's world right so those are the big questions that we are asking ourselves and trying to solve in collaboration with others who have the strengths and the capabilities to do that mm. and that's a great place to be because then you are not limited by the amount of money that you have available we i mean don't get me wrong yeah we yeah. we spend close to 100 million a year in community initiatives but the starting point is not there the starting point is who has the power to bring this problem to an end how can we work in uh, collaboration in creating innovative ideas that can bring it to fruition and then scale and since you asked this you know one of my pet areas to work on today is how to make this more community focused and data driven how to create and uh, promote more authentic sources of data in communities not just in developed economies like the us but in developing economies like india and other places where you know that if you zoom in and look at a certain community their literacy level their poverty level their participation from uh, diverse communities in different aspects of uh, society and then you are able to use that data points to make decisions on whom to prioritize in terms of partnerships where to apply your resources so that's the path that we are taking right now and i hope to have in a couple of years more interesting stories to share in terms of how data can then community created and community based data can help us even zoom in further and be more focused and strategic with investments as companies and we need stories like that of how data is used on people for the good <laughs> instead of for you know cuz in a lot of ways i mean i have a daughter who's at university right now and she's in a class they were she was sharing a paper that i we were uh, she was reading and you know it was talking about considering all the bots on yourself that you are giving people and you know how they're tracking you on everything you know from wearing you know your heart to health to anything if you're wearing an eye watch and on and on and on and it's got sort of this like you're giving something away free rather than understanding or having the feeling be take the data and do good with it you know like give back with that data that would be tremendous thank you yeah. i certainly see it go down that path because you know whether it is through legislation or through activism we are going to get to a place where people will be the owners of their own data they will decide what to do with it and companies business models will evolve to factor that and to you know build uh, solutions build new business models around personalized uh, data and personalized needs it's already happening you know yeah. you move from healthcare to wellness yeah. right yeah a product to a purpose so retail to fashion right uh, so it's starting to show up in certain areas i'm sure it will show in every part of life yeah 
Balaji, you've given yeah. our, our listeners so much to think about. Thank you. Thank you. Greatly appreciate that. I'm so, going to go back and listen to it two or three yeah. times just to think each sentence through. You're such a resource of this, fantastic ideas. This is my colleague, Rocket. She's yeah. amazing. <laughs> I just love to listen to people who make you think about new things. So thank you thank so you. much. Greatly appreciate your time. No, thank you. Thank you so much. I think okay. it's a pleasure. You have such a great viewers and publication and uh, you know thank you for considering me to be a part yeah. of that oh i'd love to come back and talk more on any specific area that uh, you'd like to follow you know what i love that too we love that too yeah. thank you okay thank you hey thanks for listening just a reminder to follow sustainable minds wherever you get your podcasts and please do live a review if you like what we're doing, it helps others discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. If you want to find out more about how we can help you evolve your corporate brand, culture, and ESG, head to baker.com. See you on the next episode of Sustainable Minds, exploring the interplay of corporate brand, core beliefs, and ESG.